Well, please do keep your Bibles open in front of you as we continue our series through, uh, through 1 Samuel. In the last few weeks, we've seen the glories of Saul descend and the Lord promising that he will raise up a new king. And as Saul descends, we see the rise of David. Let's come to God's word in prayer. Dearest God, King of kings and Lord of lords, we pray may we be wise men and women who listen to your word and hear it and put it into practice. May we build our lives upon the rock of your word rather than upon the sand so that when the storm comes, this house may stand. In the name of Jesus, amen. What do you look for in a leader? What do you look for in a leader? Maybe the What's slightly going through our heads at the moment is what do we look for in a prime minister? Trustworthiness. <laughs> Integrity. Honesty. Now, I've got, I've got nothing to say on Boris Johnson. I'm not making any opinion. Uh, I'm not stating any opinion about if he should stay or go or anything like that. But I do think it's interesting, the media storm which has existed for what feels like months now around, around Partygate, it does reveal that, that desire that we have, isn't there? that we might have a leader who, has, who is trustworthy, who has integrity, and who is honest. That actually, the flashy outside isn't as important as the inside. Well, what about for a king? What do we look for then? It's been interesting to note that as we've been celebrating the, the wonders of 70 years of Elizabeth's reign, at the same time of us celebrating Elizabeth's reign, and lots of the articles I've been reading at least, there's always that question, has Queen Elizabeth, has she created a monarchy which can last, which can outlive her? Or has she created a monarchy which, when she dies and, and Charles becomes king, will actually just fade away? Can the monarchy survive without Queen Elizabeth? And what sort of king, then, will Charles be, is the, is the question. And will he be the king which this nation wants or, or, or needs? Now, we may have a choice about our prime minister. We don't really have a choice about our king. However, in the early days of Israel's monarchy, kingship was hereditary. Oh, sorry, in the early days of, kingship of Israel's monarchy, kingship wasn't hereditary. <laughs> said that wrong. Uh, but neither was it democratic. It was all down to the Lord's choice. And so here we land in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we see the Lord's choice. And as this story sort of, uh, sort of begins, we actually meet like a quite scared Samuel. We meet a scared Samuel because the Lord God has told Samuel, stop mourning for Saul. You've now got to go out and anoint the new king. Go get your horn of anointing and go out and get anointing. And, and a horn of anointing is, is almost like Samuel is going to be walking around with like the, the crown jewels, it's going to be blatantly obvious. If you see the horn of anointing, it's like he's walking with the crown jewels. And so Samuel is, he's absolutely terrified about this. He says in, in verse 2, but, but he'll kill me, Saul will kill me. If he sees me walking around here with this, with this anointing horn, these crown jewels, he's going to kill me if he thinks that I'm doing that. But the Lord gives Samuel a, a, a cunning plan. In verse 2, we're told, go, go and perform a sacrifice. The Lord God doesn't get Samuel to lie. 
But he says, go and perform a sacrifice, and while you're performing this sacrifice, find and anoint this new king. And the Lord has a specific place where he wants Samuel to go. Verse, uh, verse 1, he wants him to go and find Jesse of Bethlehem, and I've chosen one of his sons. So the Lord God has a specific place and a specific plan in mind. But then the question arises, well, which son? And so Samuel ar- arrives under the pretense of just being there for, for, to offer a sacrifice. And as he arrives, he meets Jesse, and he calls up his son. And the first son arrives, Eliab, and it's not him. And it's not son number two, or son number three, or son number four, or son number five, or son number six, or son number seven. And you've got to feel a little bit sorry for Jesse at this point. Be like, come on, man. I've given you enough options here. No. The Lord wants that final son, the son who is not there, the son who has to be called. Because that son is so lowly that he has got the the, the job which is right at the bottom. He is with the sheep. So David has to be called. And David arrives, and verse 12, David is chosen. So he asks Jesse, are these all your sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. And once David has has been anointed, well, then the spirit of the Lord descends upon David. And that's very... um, holds lots of weight and lots of meaning in Old Testament days. In New Testament days, we're used to the idea that the Holy Spirit lives of all believers. But in Old Testament days, the Holy Spirit anoints and rests only on particular people in particular moments with particular tasks. And here we have the Holy Spirit resting upon David. And if we were to continue, then as we see it rest upon David, we see the Spirit leaving Saul. As, As Saul descends, David ascends. Now, this story, it introduces us to David. It's part of, part of, part of, very much part of his narrative. And yet, reality is, it's all really about Samuel. It's all about Samuel. And particularly, it's about Samuel's inability to see. Look down with me at verse 7. Look down with me at verse 7. When they arrived, Samuel saw Elab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do you not consider his appearance or his height? For I have rejected him. Now, as a tall man, these are hard words to read. Actually, tall men do not do well in 1 Samuel. Saul was loved because he was tall, and then he fell. This man, Elab, he's impressive. He's impressive because he's tall. But... But actually, that doesn't seem to matter. Maybe, maybe he walks into the room and he fills the room. Maybe he walks into the room and actually it's not so much about his height simply, it's he's got this commanding presence. Maybe he's just got this natural charisma about him. But that's not the thing which matters. That's not the thing which matters. And actually, it's interesting that nothing has really changed. Actually, we, we can often judge our leaders based upon their appearances. There is a fascinating study done in, it's a few years old now, but 2004, a study was done in America on CEOs. And in America, uh, the whole average size of the population, 16% of Americans are six foot tall. 
16%. But out of the CEOs in the country, 68% of them were six foot tall. 68%. So actually, nothing has changed. Actually, we can go on appearance alone to judge if someone is really a worthy leader. Samuel is a seer. That's his job. And yet he does not see. He is clouded by these things which are so just visually impressive. And yet he does not see. Because the Lord actually cares a lot more about what's going on in their heart. Let's look down again, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Height doesn't matter to the Lord. Having a commanding presence doesn't matter to the Lord. Being a charismatic individual doesn't matter to the Lord. Walking into the room and dominating the room doesn't matter to the Lord. If the Lord was on the interview panel for all those American CEOs, they wouldn't all be six, over six foot tall. That is not what the Lord cares about. That's what people care about, but that's not what the Lord cares about. The Lord cares about the heart. Now, when we hear about this language of heart, we're hearing about the language of like our command centers. Our heart is sort of, um, imagine his life, our lives are like a car. Our heart is sitting in the driving seat and directing where we should go. Our hearts are what we desire, what we want. I often think when we watch particularly modern-day advertisement, which seems to tell you very little about the product, but seems to feed into our desires and sort of life we want to have, that modern-day adverts are targeting our hearts and what we want. God cares about the heart. He cares about who people are far more than what they look like. David was the youngest of eight brothers. David was very lowly, a mere shepherd. David was insignificant in the eyes of the world, yet God saw his heart and he knew, this is the one I want. This is the one I want. It's about looking beyond the surface. Do we here today, do we value appearance or character? Or maybe put it a little bit more sharply, do we value gifts or character? As you, as you know, well know, we've been advertising for what feels like years for a children's, youth and families uh, minister. And so I decided, because we were struggling to get our ad out there, I decided to look to see what the competition was like. And I did find it quite interesting reading some of these job descriptions and reading some of the adverts which are out there. And one of the adverts, their very opening line was, they, they're looking for someone who's an inspirational minister who can reboot, revive, and reimagine. Now, maybe I'm being a little bit critical, but what do they mean by inspirational? And I hope they have good intentions, but what do they mean by inspirational? Maybe they do mean humble. Maybe they do mean gentle. Maybe they do mean kind. Maybe they do mean compassionate. Maybe they do mean good. But I have a feeling what they really mean is charismatic. I have a feeling what they really mean is someone who just gets up there and I can follow them. I can go with them. The church, tragically, horribly, is currently filled with scandals. It is filled with scandals of leaders who, who, who on the surface are very shiny and everything seems to have gone so well. And in reality, the church over the last few years has been valuing competence over character. 
is being more, placed more weight on competence over character. It's cared more about someone's gifts rather than if they're gentle. Do we care about someone's appearance or do we care about their heart? Are we using the Lord's eyes to see? Or are we clouded by the things of this world? Now every passage in old scripture is a huge, huge arrow pointing us onwards to Jesus. And in in this passage we're we're given two arrows to Jesus. The first arrow is we're we're told uh, Samuel, the seer, well Jesus is the better Samuel. Jesus is the better Samuel because Jesus sees and he understands and he comprehends what people are really like. It's really interesting if you read through John's gospel, you'll see right at the beginning there, that actually Jesus goes around performing incredible miracles and people are like amazed by this and they want to see more of this. And then you read in uh, John chapter 2, as this crowd is flocking around Jesus in Jerusalem, you read Jesus saying, uh, the commentating, that Jesus does not entrust himself to them. Even though they've got all these people who are flocking to Jesus, he doesn't entrust himself to them. Why? Because Jesus knows how fickle the human heart is. Jesus knows what humanity's really like. Jesus knows that this same crowd who is flocking to him will give them a few years. Give them a few years and it will be the same crowd who will cry crucify, crucify, crucify and will want him dead. Jesus doesn't entrust himself to them. Instead, Jesus calls highly unimpressive people to follow him. He calls tax collectors who are hated. He called fishermen who are lowly. He calls them to follow him. He calls the unimpressive to follow him because he he can see their heart and he knows that they have a heart which is able to believe in him, to trust in him, to repent and to believe, to follow him. So Jesus is a better Samuel because he sees. He sees. But Jesus is also a better David because many of us know the story of David. And for those who don't, we're going to be exploring it in the, in the next few weeks. And David has some wonderful highs, and he shows himself to be a great leader, but he also has some wonderful lows, and he shows himself to be a pretty shocking leader as well. And, and he shows himself to be a pr- pretty shocking leader. He shows him he's not actually perfect. But the reality is, when Jesus Christ walks on the earth, well, Jesus has some wonderful highs, And the lows never come. God sees Jesus' heart. And we see it in scripture of a man who is filled with compassion for those who are hungry. A man who is filled with mourning when at the grave of his friend. A man who is filled with, with love for those who are lost. A man who is gentle with the weak and the lowly is righteous. Jesus is that better David. Jesus is that better Samuel. Jesus is that leader we need day after day after day after day, year after year after year after year. Because Jesus is that leader who is gentle and kind and good and compassionate for us. He is the one who we need to draw near to. He is the one we need to listen to in his word. He is is the one we need to be encouraged by, by other Christians to follow. 
He is the one who, if we are following his ways, will, will be hard sometimes, but they will lead to blessing and eternal life. Jesus is the better leader. Jesus is the leader who we need. Let's spend a moment just meditating on God's word, and I'll close in prayer. Oh, dearest God, please forgive us when we look at outward things and think that they are impressive. How charismatic someone is, or how competent they are, how how gifted they are. Not that those things are unimportant, but forgive us when we think that they are more important than if they're humble and if they're kind. Please help us look at people how you look at people and to value what you value. And please help us and draw us near to Jesus. And enable us to follow this leader every day who is kind and good and generous and righteous. May we follow wherever Jesus takes us, knowing that this is the way of blessing. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.